I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Episode 125 of Cowboys Ride for Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield. As always, I'm joined by Philip Slavin. Philip, we're a few days away from the home opener. I know it's an FCS team, but that's always an exciting time in Stillwater. Yeah, more importantly, it's the debut of BB. Like, forget yes. the state. The thing to be excited about this weekend is BB, the miniature horse. Hey, we have a BB shirt. Go to Bad Drinking Shirt, t-shirts.com. Buy your Here Comes BB shirt. My wife got one. It's going to be, it's awesome. Like if, they, if it gets here by game day, it will be worn. We will have shameless plugs in the stadium. Yeah, you can, I mean, if we don't have a pinned link like on Twitter and fa- on the website, we need to get that done. Yeah, we've got Here Comes BB shirts because why would we not take advantage of this opportunity to make a little bit of money off of, you know, a tiny horse? <laughs> it's, it's too easy. I mean, it's just, it's just the the joy that everyone gets out of little Sebastian from Parks and Rec. It's just like, I love that show. it's yes, it's it's so great. I'm I'm so glad that we decided that the school decided to just give in and just meme just a little bit, but it's awesome. I, I love it. Yeah, no, it's guys, it's a tiny, it's a tiny, it's it's bullet and BB. <laughs> like I read, I was uh, I was listening to the uh, the the, is it the Cowboy Chronicles podcast and, and Jacob Unruh. Um, was on there. He's one of the new Oklahoma State beat writers. He did a story on BB. It's really funny. I forget what the the horse's actual name is. Is something completely different. It's just that the initials are BB. So it was almost just kind of perfect. Like the the God's right hand just came down and fate presented us with a horse whose name's initials just happen to be BB alongside Bullet. Like I don't this horse out of Pawnee. Which, can we talk about the irony that the horse is from Pawnee? What's the name of the town from Parks and Rec? Oh, man, it is. That's Pawnee. Incre- and it, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. I love yeah. that. So let's just all sit back and go, whoo-hoo. <laughs> we have our <laughs> own little Sebastian. Let's bask in the joy and glory of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But there is also a football game that BB will be attend- in attendance of uh, on Saturday it's the home opener. It's obviously exciting. It's the debut of Spencer Sanders in Boone Pickens Stadium. So there's a lot of hype surrounding that. Um, like I said, it's it's an FCS game. There's really only so much we're going to be able to take from it. There's really only so much that we can delve into too much because I mean Oklahoma State is a 37 and a half point favorite in this game. For, you know, deservedly so and understandably so. Yeah, I mean, it's an FCS team, and I don't I don't mean that bad. Like, look, uh, Iowa State struggled. Against an FCS team, like FCS teams pull off upsets all the time, but yeah, I just I don't. If if OSU, really the, the the truth of FCS games is this: 
the the most opportunity to learn something is all negative. Like the, the problem with FCS games is you're more likely to learn something negative than positive. Because what do you take away from a, let's say they win 49 to 14. Well, they should win 49 to 14. They should win 56 to 14. They should win... Like it just like what do you take away from a game like that? I, I, there's a couple things I do want to see. I do think we're finally going to get to see Drew Brown um, for real minutes, not just like a little bit at the end of the game. Uh, my guess is I'd prefer that Spencer get as much time as possible so that he continues to get acclimated, continues to get reps. Those reps are really important. But if you told me that Drew Brown's going to see the play the entire fourth quarter, I mean. There's a there's a point where reps are valuable, but not getting your starting quarterback hurt against an FCS team is also, you know, good. Right. I I, I want to see Spencer get as many reps as possible to the point where he's still learning from it, and it's not just him going out there and just throwing you know a, a fade to Tom Wallace once again. Like if he's still learning and the reps are important and the reps are key, then let's do it. But there's no point in him playing, you know, four quarters. There's really no point, especially if the score is bad and him playing three quarters. If he's out at halftime and Drew and goes Oklahoma State's up by four or five touchdowns and Drew Brown comes in, I'm perfectly fine with that as well. Whatever gives Spencer the most opportunity to learn on the job, I'm fine with. That they feel that is necessary. I don't want to see him out there unnecessarily in a sixty three to eight game or whatever the heck the, the case may be. Just just make sure the game is like just make sure the game is thoroughly put away. Right. I, because uh, that's it. Because anything, if you go into halftime and you're only up 35 to seven, I'm fine if he comes out, plays the starting, the, the first drive of the second half, scores another touchdown, they go up 42-7 or 42-14, and he's done for the day. That's fine. Uh, but let him get the reps. The reps are incredibly important, especially for him. I mean, for either one. But if he's the guy moving forward, and, and that's, I mean, he is, get him the reps. Um, he'll get plenty against Tulsa, but the more he can get heading into the Big 12 opener against Texas, the better. But I agree. Like at a, at a point, get Drew Brown in there, get him. He hasn't played for, like, he hasn't played in a game for a while. Um, the opportunity for him to do so would be good just to, to have that backup option. And shoot, if we get into the fourth quarter and it's a blowout, let's, um, let's just, who else you got to throw in there? Who do, who do we got? We Brandon got, Co- uh, we got Brandon Costello. Costello. Yeah. Let's, let's see some Costello in the in the fourth quarter. Why not? I, I'm okay with that. What else is? I mean, it's, it's a redshirt year. He can he can play in four games, so might I as know. well see it. Yeah. So I mean, the thing is, we didn't see him use that last year when he probably could have with Spencer Sanders. So I'm interested to see if that's the case, or if we just see the first two and they try and preserve the redshirt for a guy like Brendan Costello. I don't know. Uh, I would love to see him out there just because if there's any opportunity for Oklahoma State to do it this season, it's this game. There's no like the they, only opportunity maybe, outside of and, Kansas. Yes, yeah, and maybe Tulsa if Oklahoma State goes in and just absolutely thumps them. I don't think they're going to, but that this is the game to get know. all of those guys the opportunity and the guys that you're unsure of what they can be. Put them out there and see what what happens. If not, just give the freshman that isn't going to see the field the rest of the year a little bit of time just for the if nothing else for the gratification of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, only other thing I really want to see is them continue to work through to figure out this defensive line. Yeah. Um, looking back at Oregon State, the secondary had some issues. The safeties had some problems. We couldn't force a turnover. Um, I really think, you know, I, I know I've talked about this. I don't know if it's on this show or, or mine. 
I don't care how good your secondary is. If your defensive line can't put pressure on the quarterback and he has time and, and, and wide receivers have an opportunity to make their second move, like you're not going to, it doesn't matter how good your secondary is. They're going to get, they're going to get beat, especially if you're playing good wide receivers. Now you're not with McNeese state. Um, I don't need to see a lot of things from the de- defense. Like I don't need them to be creative. I don't want to know anything about the defense. I-, I want them to be able to hold back as much as they can before they face Texas. I think one of the things that hurt them last year in that Texas Tech opener was they emptied the bag against Boise State to beat Boise State. It's why they did such a good do- job defensively against Boise State. Is they just they they threw it all at them. And Texas Tech had the tape and was able to uh, to utilize that. Iowa State had the tape. They really utilized that. Um, you got past your your most difficult game, which is Oregon State. I know that's not a, a tough game, but you got out of that without having to show a lot. Uh, playing a pretty base defense, you didn't rush the quarterback all that much. Um, you're playing McNeese State, and then you're going to Tulsa. I, I'm fine with you practicing a few things, but I don't need to see much. I just want to see that you guys are starting to figure out the rotation. If Israel Antoine is is able to play, that's fantastic. I'm I'm very excited. Obviously, Bundage probably isn't going to be in this one. He's still dealing with injuries. But I just want to see – it's an FCS team. Get pressure on the quarterback. Because if you can get pressure on the quarterback, I think we will see the turnovers we've been we've been waiting for. Because I think that's the thing is in this – the secondary is good enough to get turnovers. But you're not going to get turnovers if the quarterback doesn't do things to make mistakes. Right. If the quarterback has time to sit back there and, and play effectively, you're not going to get an interception. Like Interceptions are being aware enough – of when the quarterback does something you can take advantage of. If he's got all if you got a guy a guy like Luton, who's a sixth year guy, he's not gonna make a lot of mistakes like that. So I just I want to see some pressure on the quarterback. I don't need to see a lot of the defense. I just want to start to see some rotations kind of get set on the defensive line. Because until they do that, the defense is gonna have a lot of problems no matter how good the secondary is. Yeah, I think the main thing that I'm interested in now, just as I was scrolling through my my Twitter feed here, I saw KFOR early this morning, the NBC affiliate in Oklahoma reported that Calvin Bundage is reported as questionable this Saturday. I would imagine he's still going to be held out, but I think that's better and at least shows that he is improving from his uh, back injury That because he was clearly ruled out last week. He didn't even travel to Corvallis. So I think that shows that he's getting better, and perhaps we see him next week in limited action against Tulsa, and then we probably see him pretty close to 100% at Texas. But I'm curious if they give him any sort of opportunity this week. I highly doubt it, but I'm at least encouraged by that he is improving and his status is improving week to week. Yeah, he doesn't need to play this week. Um, and, And honestly, as important, as good as he is and as impactful a player as he is, I'm okay if they kind of get some other things figured out without him. Right. Right. Um, I just, I just am. We'll see how he does this year. I, I, mean, I can't downplay the impact, but I also don't want to overplay. Like, I don't think he's going to come in and the defense is going to be suddenly awesome. Like, they have other things to worry about than just Calvin Bundage. Is he someone they need to get back? Yes. I actually think with the issues on the defensive line that is, having his. Antwine back is more important than having Calvin Bundage. Losing Kyle Jr. sucks. Yeah, that's huge. Um, Cover your kids' ears, folks. Uh, Sucks. Um, For for those who didn't see the news, um, it was the the Bowling Green grad transfer who came in just this summer. Um, He's left the team. Uh, From the stuff that we can piece together, it sounds like he's been injured most of the the offseason. He just, I, I don't know if it's, 
I think he's done. Uh, I don't think this is a, he's going to go play somewhere else. I think he's just done. Uh, I think I, and it stinks. They brought him in as a guy to help bolster the defensive line depth. Um, he had the experience and he's not going to play this year. So that, that, that really hurts. Um, cause you, you spent the scholarship to bring this one guy. This is the one guy you brought in as a grad transfer for the defensive line and he's not going to play. That's, that's not great. Um, so Israel Antoine, I think, is incredibly important. I think he's I think he's good. Uh, and I'll say this: if there's one guy I want to see on the field more, it's Trace Ford. I am um, yeah. hop he, I think on the Trace Ford train with on. me. I am I am the conductor. My hat is on. I'm throwing coal in this fire, and we're getting this thing as fast as we can. I want to see Trace Ford on the field more. I just just get him on there more. I want him solidly in the rotation. I, I'm I'm fine if he's splitting reps 50 50 with a starter whatever get him on the field yeah i think he proved last week the impact that he can have with the speed and athleticism he provides on the defensive line and as a pass rusher i would expect to see a lot more reps from him like i mentioned with you know just getting you know freshmen and guys experience in this is the game to do it this is the game to see what he can do in a bigger role to just see what happens and shoot i would not be surprised if he has a major impact in this game as well and then we see him even more against Tulsa and then moving forward. I think he proved last week that he is going to be a force on this team, not only this year, but for years to come. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to watch him. I think he was a – they do a good job. And, and I think there's a reason Oklahoma State started focusing so much on in-state guys is they're finding these under-the-radar guys in the state that – they're realizing, like, you, how many times have we seen guys from Oklahoma go off to other programs because they just weren't recruited all that that hard in Oklahoma, and they turn out to be really good. Yeah, um, I think they're doing a better job of realizing there's some talent here that isn't always fours and fives, um, but that's that's where Oklahoma State needs to to make it. So you may not get the top three guys in the state, but if you're getting the five, six, seven, a lot of years, those are guys that if even if they're not ready to go right away like trace ford is they're going to be impactful guys for your team moving forward so i'm i'm glad to see them doing a better job of of finding these really talented guys in the state and getting them on the roster absolutely so before we uh move further into what we you know with some predictions and such for the mcneese state game we were actually able to get an interview with someone that is a beat writer for mcneese state sports in louisiana david barry he is their beat reporter for american press sports in louisiana it's very difficult to find people that are true beat writers for some of these FCS schools, but that's his job. And he was for, uh, we were fortunate enough to have him uh, come on and give us a little bit of insight on this game, you know, and actually learn about this school where with most FCS schools that Oklahoma State has played in the past, we really know nothing other than just their, you know, they're an FCS school and that's about all we know. So to be able to get a little bit of insight on what we're going to see on Saturday was very interesting. Yeah, he's a really good interview. Uh, really enjoyed this. There, there's only so much you can. I mean, it's an FCS team again, and I'm, I'm not trying to be a jerk, but I mean, Oklahoma should win by or Oklahoma. Oklahoma State should win by five touchdowns or more. Just, just period. Sorry, um, but it was an interesting conversation. Anytime you get to talk about a punter as one of their best players, yes. it's always a fun time. Somewhere, Pat McAfee is smiling. All right, let's get into this interview with uh, David Barry. But before we do that, we'll have a word from a sponsor. 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. beat reporter for American Press Sports down in Louisiana, and he was kind enough to join us on this uh, Tuesday afternoon. David, thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, this is this is great. I appreciate it. Uh, thanks. Like, like I said, thanks, and I'm looking forward to uh, going up to Stillwater this weekend. Yeah, we don't. Uh, it's pretty difficult to find uh, beat reporters sometimes for some of these FCS schools. So we were very fortunate that uh, Philip was able to find you and reach out and be able to, to preview this game on Saturday. Definitely. Yeah, you're right. There's not a whole lot of uh, so, you know, purely FCSB writers. I know a lot of my, you know, a lot of the ones that I know in uh, at least for Southland player usually, you know, end up covering some high school or, you know, a lot. But I'm I'm I help out with a little bit of high school. But, yeah, I'm uh, pretty much my whole job is uh, covering the niece. So I want to start here, you know. Oklahoma State got to make the OSU versus OSU jokes in week one. Week two offers a similar situation of cowboy on cowboy action. Obviously, this is an FCS team. Uh, Oklahoma State fans aren't as familiar with the McNeese Cowboys. Just, I know that they've got a new a first-year head coach in Sterling Gilbert, who OSU has seen before, previously an offense corner at Tulsa and an OC at, at Texas. But, Tell us a little bit about how this team looks so far just after one game uh, in the Sterling uh, Gilbert era. Uh, before I say that, I, I have already made the uh, the cowboy joke. I, I can't remember if it was a tweet or in one of my stories or a column I wrote that I did already say that uh, the Cowboys are guaranteed to win. Uh, so I've already, I'm already <laughs> on top of that. Um, but uh, no, as far as uh, last week, McNeese uh, opened up the season at home against Southern and uh, won, won the game 34 to 28. Uh, it was a record crowd for McNeese, uh, 20,437. And uh, the capacity is actually just uh, just over 17,000. So a lot of people, if you look at pictures, were on the, uh, like the hill. But anyhow, um, as far as the game goes, uh, it was a very, very weird game. It's not the cleanest game you'll ever see. Uh, McNeese was able to force five turnovers and didn't commit any. Um, but some of the turnovers that Southern had were kind of just gifts, uh, you know, like they muffed punts. Um, McNeese recovers it. Uh, one of the, honestly, probably the biggest turnover of the game came late in the second quarter. Uh, McNeese was trailing 14 to 10, and uh, the Southern quarterback, Ladarius Skelton, dropped back to pass. 
he's going to he's getting he's going into his windup and the ball just slips out of his hands like nobody touched him nothing it might have just been the humidity um slips out of his hand um Inish recovers it and a few plays later they score take a 17-14 lead and they never trailed again in the game um they were able to the defense the defense struggled a little bit early on but they were able to kind of control most of the second half, and that allowed Mignis um, to go ahead thirty-four to. They took a, as large of as large of a lead as twenty points at thirty-four to fourteen. Then uh, you, you could definitely tell that they took their foot off the gas. They allowed Southern to score touchdowns on the last two drives of the game. Uh, a lot of penalties helped that, and I'll get to that in a second. So the game ended uh, thirty-four to twenty-eight. And it was like it was such a weird game because it probably should have been that close to begin with, but just based off of how each team played. But it also felt like a blowout that a team just kind of came back in garbage time at the same time. It was very weird. Um, the uh, the penalties, like I mentioned, the uh, sixteen penalties for one hundred and seventy seven yards. Um, currently. Manish is last in penalty yardage uh, after one game. Uh, that's just 177 yards. Some of the penalties were uh, were legit. Some of them were not so much. Uh, There's definitely a few questionable calls, but 177 is it's a lot. Um, the most. The, the Cowboys, well, <laughs> the most that McNeese ever had in one game last year was 99 yards. Um, and to put it in more perspective, all of last year, McNeese had 640 penalty yards. So they're already over a quarter of the way to that last year's total after one game. So uh, they're definitely going to have to clean that up, not just going into this week, but just for the rest of the season. Um, but, you know, like coaches always say, you did they did enough to win. Uh, they beat a, uh, a Southern team that is one of the contenders to win the SWAC. Uh, I personally don't think that this the, the type of performance they had last week, uh, McNeese I'm speaking of, wouldn't be good enough to win most games on the schedule this year uh, definitely won't be good enough if they want to, if they have upset dreams uh, going up to play Oklahoma state, but uh, you know, they always say you get the, you get the most improvement from week one to week two, I guess uh, <laughs> we'll really find that out this weekend. So looking at the offense for McNeese says kind of where my, my mind goes first, they have quarterback and Cody Ogeron, son of Ed Ogeron, LSU's head coach, Big game for them this week at Texas, but what can we expect from him in his first full season at quarterback? Well, Cody, yeah, the, uh, last year he started three games. He played in all eleven games, but started three. Um, you know, you can tell he was not totally comfortable. I don't think last year's offense really was suited to him either. He's uh, he's a dual threat guy. He can definitely run. Um, doesn't have the strongest arm, and this is not me saying it. He said that last year after a game. Uh, he, you know, he's just he's not a guy that's just gonna heave it, you know, sixty yards downfield. But he can get the ball where he needs to. Um, the offense, it it, it was okay uh, on Saturday. It was it did enough. They the best thing they did was in the red zone. Uh, they were five for five scoring in the red zone. 
three three of them were touchdowns, and they got the other two field goals. I think the two field goals were a bit disappointing based off of where they started, but um, they took they made Southern pay for every turnover, like or almost every turnover. I believe they scored twenty four points off of five Southern turnovers, so they were they did that well. Um, kind of in between the twenties, they were okay. Uh, by the by, the fourth quarter, they the, the run game, the attempts at running the ball definitely wore Southern out. Uh, I mean, he's had fifty-two carries, uh, only you know, only netted one hundred and fifty-four yards, but you could tell they definitely wore him down. So by the end of the game, the last touchdown McNeese scored, it was an eleven-play, seventy-six-yard drive, and you could tell Southern just they were exhausted and um, McNeese. I'll give them that. I'll give them this credit. They were definitely in better condition because the offense wants to run kind of that up tempo, get to the ball really quickly, um, and snap it. So it worked against Southern. I don't know how much it'll work against Oklahoma State, but that's what they want to do. Um, Ogeron, he'll his favorite target definitely, at least to me, is uh, Trevor Baggy. Uh, they kind of they came in the same class. They kind of have worked up, you know, when one was on the third team, the other was. When one was on the second team, the other was. And it's been going that way. Uh, Beggy caught two touchdowns on Saturday, and he was probably the best offensive player. Uh, so it's definitely – I'll definitely say those are the big guys. Um, there's – the offense looked a little predictable at times on Saturday. Um, and I don't think they can do that again uh, and still expect to win. So other, other other than that, you know, like I said, it'll kind of be the cliche thing where a coach will say, hey, a win is a win. We'll look at it. We'll get better. But they definitely have a lot to improve, uh, not just going into this weekend, but for the rest of the season. You know, they, they got the five turnovers, and that's something I, I think that they'll want to <clears> – Oklahoma State will want to keep an eye on heading into this game. Turnovers are interesting. You know, most of the time you, you see a lot of interceptions. But for McNeese, that might be a little bit troubling because, as I understand, they'll be without at least their best cornerback, if not their top two. Is that is that correct for this game? Correct. Uh, the one for sure that they will be without is the uh, the number one corner, Kobe Burton. Uh, he's out for the season. He <clears throat> he tweeted about it on what was that Sunday evening? He tweeted about it, and it, he didn't come out and say like I'm you know I th- I injured this. I'm out for the season. But it was kind of one of those you know God doesn't make mistakes. This and that. And you could just tell. Um, so then I quote tweeted that, and he retweeted it which is basically you know pretty much a confirmation and then uh coach gilbert confirmed it on monday during his weekly press conference that yes he is out for the year um we don't know exactly what the injury is i know it's a lower leg injury it's either ankle or like a you know, a, a leg break like a my uh maybe tibia but yeah, it's one of those i saw the play that he got hurt on you definitely wouldn't have noticed it is very benign, but uh, yeah, he's out for the year, and it's very it's possible that the number two cornerback Darian Dunn could be out for this week. Uh, I, I'm I don't know that one for sure, but he got hurt at the end of last week's game against Southern. They don't 
the thing about it, Coach Gilbert is not the type that will even be vague with injuries. He's just not going to tell you. The only thing, the only reason that he told us about the Kobe Burton thing is because Burton already tweeted about it. So he had, he kind of had to address that one. But the thing with Darian Dunn is it's not, a, I don't think it's a season ending injury. So with it not being a season ending injury and he probably hasn't said anything about it, he doesn't, he's just not going to, he doesn't, I'm sure he doesn't want Oklahoma State, you know, knowing any more than they have to. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I think that could have been a groin. I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but some, somebody that was in the press box said they saw ice going into that particular region. Um, it was going to be tough, even if both of them were healthy, if one of them is already gone for sure, this for the rest of the season. And if Darian Dunn can't play this week, it's, I mean, like I said, it was, it would have been tough either way, but you're going into pretty hostile environment without definitely one of your corner top two corners and maybe both of them against a pretty dynamic offense. It's going to be, it's going to be tough. Um, they're going to have to depend more on the pass rush, I think. But yeah, um, yeah, it's just <laughs> losing your losing your top two corners. It's never there's never a good time for it. But um, yeah, they're they're gonna. I mean, they just got to figure it out. I guess kind of the cliche of next man up applies because you can't stop the season for it. But uh, it's definitely going to be tough for them. So you mentioned the pass rush. Tell us a little bit about Chris Livings. He's probably the best defensive player for McNeese State. What can Oklahoma State fans expect to see from him on the field? Yeah, um, Livings. He is. He definitely. I can. He's. Def, it's definitely arguable that he's the best play, defensive player on the team, especially now with Burton being out. Uh, he's a. He's a. He's a guy that can get sacks in bunches. Um, he got one sack last weekend against Southern, um, and he's now 10 sacks away from being the all-time school leader in sacks uh, for McNeese. He's, he's, a, he's a smaller guy. Uh, he's about 6'2", about 235, but he's a really good pass rusher. Uh, he, he, it'll be, I'll be interested to see how he does against um, kind of FBS caliber of uh, of an offensive lineman. I think he'll be able to give a, give a battle. And uh, like I said, the, the D line they already know, like they already want to pat, rush the passer, but they know now with not with having at least one of your top corners out, like you kind of have to get to the quarterback even quicker because the longer you have those uh, the secondary covering in you know that back end. It, it might be – it's going to be advantage to uh, the Oklahoma State receivers because, you know, they have some real talent. So uh, – but, no, uh, I'd say Livings, he's, he's really good. He's probably one of the best defensive ends in the Southland and maybe in the entire uh, FCS. Um, so, yeah, he'll, he'll, give, he'll give some problems. I, I think he could probably get a sack. You know, I don't think he'll – this game might be a little different, um, but I, I think he'll he'll be effective a little bit this game. But um, definitely for the season, he'll, he'll he'll put up some big numbers. So it's it's unusual, I'll admit, to talk about a punter, but 
<laughs> the punter for McNeese uh, might be one of their better players, Bailey Rayborn, if I'm correcting that, saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. I got some honors after week one. And just to be blunt, I expect McNeese to punt a few times in this game. Um, what kind of weapon is he for McNeese? And is he someone who can have an impact in this game? Absolutely. Um, yeah, he uh, he's gotten a few awards. Actually, just this morning, he was named the Southland Conference Special Teams Player of the Week. And uh, that's in addition to getting the uh, awards that he got yesterday. I know one of them was like honorable mention stats FCS special teams player of the week. And the other one was, um, Oh, Louisiana state of Louisiana sports writer association, special teams player of the week. So yeah, uh, definitely a good, uh, good first week for him. Yeah. Um, he, he can definitely be a weapon because he, uh, he actually, it's funny. He shanked his first punt. I think his first punt went maybe 25 yards. It wasn't a very good one, but after that, he, was booming the ball. Uh, I believe three punts were went over 50 yards, and I think two punts landed inside the 20. And I want to say, yeah, one punt landed out at like went out at the one yard line. Um, it's funny because Southern ended up going 99 yards and scoring on that drive. But um, but yeah, but just knowing that you you know dropped them at the one and they had to do that is very impressive and he's also the uh, he, he does kickoffs for McNeese and I believe McNeese kicked off seven times and he had five touchbacks uh, he's definitely got a strong leg I know some fans are saying you know you know they hadn't been used to seeing such a strong leg like they've seen it before but he really does have a strong leg and it'll definitely help and like you said I mean you know I'm Definitely not uh, oblivious to it. I expect I expect we need to punt quite a fair fair bit on Saturday. So he he'll definitely he may have a chance, you know, to get another special teams player of the week this week, depending on how well he does. Um, I don't know what Oklahoma State does as far as if they ever like to bring pressure, but uh, if they don't, I think he'll be able to get get some get some really good punts off on Saturday. So looking, we are, I was just looking at the uh, the betting line for this game, and this game has Oklahoma State as a thirty seven and a half point favorite. I see, kind of figure it was going to be a pretty uh, pretty big line just because it's FBS versus FCS. But do you think McNeese State has a pretty good chance to cover that, or do you think it's going to be a blowout of even more than thirty seven? Uh, I'm just being honest. I <laughs> I had I. It's absolutely. I don't. I I can't see a way right now that um McNeese stays within 37 and a half for a few reasons one like I say you're out your best corner you're going into a home opener I can only imagine how jacked up the Oklahoma State players are going to be for the home opener the fans are going to be jacked up for it um I know I honestly I don't see McNeese staying within that the covering that I, I think I hadn't I hadn't made my official prediction yet because I um I usually wait for Friday's paper but uh, or Saturday's paper but I do think it'll be probably somewhere in the 40s or 50s as far as the um, margin of victory for Oklahoma State uh because yeah like I said the, the defense 
you're not your secondary is not going to be what it was, what you were ex- what what Mignesh was expecting. I think they'll take advantage of that. Um, also, Mignesh had a little bit of trouble containing the quarterback uh, Ladarius Skelton last week, and I know Oklahoma State has a you know even though it's his first start, very dynamic uh, guy back there at quarterback, and you know I, I think that'll be trouble. Honestly. I think the running game could definitely cause a lot of problems for the McNeese defense um, because I can't remember how it's pronounced. I think it's Chuba, Chuba yep, Hubbard. Yep, yep, Chuba Hubbard. Hubbard. Uh, yeah. So, you know, I mean, he, he did, he ran all over Oregon state. So I think it's, I, I think it's going to be more of the same. So uh, looking at that's, and that's just that side of the ball. I think the offense, the problem is the, the that up-tempo offense and everything, it, it works well when, you know, you're, it works well when it works, you know, as, as kind of silly as it is to say, but if it doesn't work and you're going three and out and the defense has to go right back on the field, they're going to be the ones to wear out. Um, I think McNeese may be able to kind of get a field goal here, get a, maybe get a touchdown, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to seriously threaten uh, Oklahoma state. So that's why I honestly, I think, yeah, I think, Oklahoma State will uh will cover that uh thirty seven and a half pretty easily. So, David, I was looking at your Twitter account and uh, I noticed you tweeted something out yesterday. That I wanted to comment on. You're asking about uh, where's a good place to grab some food <laughs> and a adult beverage in Stillwater on Saturday night after the game. Yeah. So, I just I thought I would go ahead and give you some in- inside perspective. Um, if you want the Classic go-to Stillwater spots. You first up, you you were looking at Eskimo Joe's, um, and make sure you get. Don't just get a drink in an Eskimo Joe's cup. You can take that home with you. You want to make sure and get the uh, the cheese fries with the with the bacon. You got to get the cheese fries with the bacon. That's the thing to get at Eskimo Joe's. The other uh, iconic place is Hideaway Pizza, the original Hideaway. There's some some franchises, but this is the OG of the Hideaways. Um, it's a really stinking good pizza. Um, really stinking good. I am not a mushroom fan, but their fried mushrooms are the bomb. Just stinking good. And I don't even like mushrooms, and I'll just devour a whole order of those. <laughs> so if you're looking for a couple of good, everyone knows them local options. So those are the ones you want to. Those are the ones you want to check out on Saturday. Okay, I've, you know every everybody that uh, has said something to me has mentioned Eskimo Joe's. So uh, and like you don't have to convince me. Uh, too hard about any any type of food. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty open on it. So uh, I'll definitely I'm and I'm sure I'm sure Stillwater will be buzzing. You know if if uh, Oklahoma State uh, can get the win, like uh, I'm sure we all assume they will. I will say I look forward to seeing your picks of the cheese fries on that uh, Southland Eats Twitter account, man. Oh, that's a 100% bet. That that is definitely happening. <laughs> this is a recommendation. I would try and hit it on your way out of town. I Saturday it's going to be a nightmare because of home opener like it's probably like a 2 out 2 plus hour wait. I'd try and get it maybe for lunch before you head out of head out of Stillwater. Just recommendation there. Okay. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Well, look, I mean, like I say, I'm take I'm I've got all this stuff uh mentally written down and uh yeah i'm looking forward to it uh i'm looking forward to every i've never you know i've never been to the state of oklahoma before um so yeah i'm looking forward to going and going to the game going covering it seeing the stadium and uh yeah uh, i'll i'll figure out something after the game is saturday and then uh i'll i'll, I'll take your note for going and getting that lunch on a, a sunday afternoon 
Well, David, thank you very much for joining us. If anyone wants to follow your work, where can everyone follow you on social media? Follow me. Uh, it's my Twitter is uh, D Berry Sports, D B E R R Y Sports. Uh, and then if you if you're on uh, Instagram, uh, it's a little longer. D B Ampress Sports, A M P R E S S S P O R T S. Those are my those are my big uh, social media handles. David, thank you very much for this. This is very insightful. Like we said, it's it's kind of difficult to find FCS beat writers, so we are very appreciative that you're able to come on and talk about being Dean State in such in depth. It was uh, very refreshing for us. Oh, thank y'all for having me. I, I really appreciate it. Um, and you know, uh, I don't know if you guys will be there, but if not, uh, just hope you guys have a good one. And uh, like I said, thank you for having me on. Take care, David. All right, take care. Bye. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Thank you once again to David Barry for coming on to talk a little bit of McNeese State football. Uh, like we mentioned, there, there's, only, there's only so much that Oklahoma State can be able to take from this game, but to actually know some people on the team and be able to talk to someone that follows this team around day to day was very insightful. Yeah, I, th- I thought he had a little really good insight. Um, it Some of the things, I don't even remember if they made it in the interview, just just the, the opinion so far of, of, of Sterling Gilbert, the new head coach. Like, I think... They have, he had a very realistic view of McNeese this year, um, that, that they're good, but we'll see, um, which is kind of telling of, you know, they're not going to have, they're not going to compete in this game. And I'm, that's fine. This is a nice practice. Um, it's, it's just some nice in-game reps for the team. Uh, as I said, I don't, I don't love FCS games, but I understand financially the reason for them. And they just they cost so much less than trying to schedule a, a Rice or a or a South Alabama or stuff like that. Those games just get so expensive, and um, so I I get it. Yeah, and I, I do think it's it is kind of cool that Ed Ogeron's son is the quarterback. I didn't know that going into this game, and that's kind of cool. I'll shamelessly plug I'll, I'll plug this for another guy that does an Oklahoma State podcast. Guy named Ryan Novozinski. He's a sophomore this year at Oklahoma State Sports Media has his own podcast where he talks about the, you know, sports, you know, the teams and stuff at Oklahoma State. And he actually landed an interview with Ed Ogeron. It's a 10-minute interview. And he actually, he talked about, you know, growing up with a son playing football and the decision to go to McNeese State and what we could expect from him. Very, very cool and good for him. Um, But I will say that accent is no joke. Like I needed subtitles listening to the interview, but it was pretty cool nonetheless. Yeah, I, I, that name's really familiar. I it, it Ryan. 
you've probably seen him on Twitter. Brian he's uh, pretty he's pretty active and does you know like he said he's a sports media major at OSU. I believe he's a sophomore, and he does really good work. And ku- again, kudos to him for landing that interview. He said LSU uh, LSU. Uh, they answered pretty promptly and he was able to talk to him on the phone for about 10 to 12 minutes. And that's, that's some big deal stuff for sure. That's, that's a white whale type interview. Yeah. I, I, that, that name's tickling my funny bone in my memory a little bit. There's something about that name. Um, I feel like we're going to be seeing it more soon. I believe so. I don't know. I believe that. So let's just, let's just leave that. Let's, let's let that lie. Where does Joel, uh, JP, my friend, it's time to do our favorite thing. Guess which how wrong we'll be on the uniforms. <laughs> yeah, we were wrong last week. Yes, we were. <laughs> but hey, the, again, the the all whites just oh oh, it's so good. I mean, it's as soon as Oregon State was like, we're doing all black. You just knew, okay. And that helmet was a perfect choice. You had the brand, which is the new thing. I thought it was a perfect. I thought that was great. I. It's a good look. It's a real good look, man. Yeah. Like, I, I need to see more of that helmet or of like a variation of it throughout the season. Like they changed the stripe on it or something like that. Like I'm good with seeing that most of the season for sure. I love the badge. I love the different stuff they do, but there's just something about the brand and like the Chrome decal now that they use. It's, it's fantastic. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. So what's your prediction? I'm going to let you go first, man. Okay. This is, a, this is a combination I've been waiting on. I've mentioned it many times on this podcast. We have not seen black, orange, black in this uh, color scheme in this since they've gotten to the new, new uniforms. I think this is the fourth year of them. We still haven't seen black, orange, black. I need to see it. I think it's, it was so good. It was one of my favorite combinations from the previous Nike uniforms when they, they changed those up in 2011. I, I, I want to see it so badly. I might as well just pull it out now. Uh, even though I think that it could be a combination we see later uh, in the season, but I want to see it here. And the helmet, can you give me a black helmet with a full body Pete? I wouldn't hate it. That's an intriguing option. It, it is. I, it's certainly, I'd be very curious to see that. I don't know that I would pick it, but I think that's a very curious and interesting choice. Eh, might as well go bold. I mean, like I said, we're going to be wrong on these, so I might as well go big or go home. So what do you have? Oh, hold on one second. Oh, no worries. I'm doing a little. I make my pick. I got a little bit of a think. All right. So it's an FCS game. It's the first home game of the season. They're going to wear orange. It's a night game, so I'd love to see black. I just don't trust them to pull out anything amazing. So I'm going to go with white, orange, white. I'm going to go with um, helmet similar to last week. I think they do the brand again on the side, white helmet. I'm going to go with black face mask and the uh, the paisley stripe. See, I love I love the the paisley and the the bandana like designs and stuff in small quantities. Yeah, the stripe, the stripe's awesome. I don't need the full like the, the, the helmet. The Ed Hardy helmet once a year is good with me. I don't need to see it more than once. I Fine. like it. That's about the that's about the amount that I want to see it. But the little details and stuff with it on the you know on the jersey and stripe on the helmet, I'm good with. 
Yeah. All right, so I, I think white orange white. I think we get black face max, black face mask. Um, Ed Hardy stride, Paisley stride, brand again, orange jersey, white pants. That just white orange white or white orange orange seems to be pretty consistent for those FCS home and those home kind of early games. So I, I think I think that's the combo is the white orange white. So, do you have a score prediction in mind for this one? Oof. Um, I'm thinking something in the range. Uh, to me, I'm thinking something in the range of like 52-17. It's kind of what we saw last year against Missouri State. I'm thinking something kind of similar. I think Oklahoma State puts up a ton of points early and then just kind of goes on cruise control by the third quarter and just kind of imposes their will. Like I said, there, there's not a lot that we're going to see that's really going to wow us a ton unless somebody kind of breaks out in a big way. But I think Oklahoma State just cruises to an easy win. I'd really like to see them hold McNeese to 10 points or fewer, like fewer than 17. If, if it's 14, it's fine. I, I don't want to see more than 14 points. And I, and I know, you know, if, if you give up a touchdown at the last drive of the game when all the third strings are in, I get it. I I would just like to see, I, I just want to see the defense against a team like this Kind of bow up and go. Look, Oregon State was actually pretty good. We're gonna. This should be easy. Let's just let's just stuff them. Um, I, I'd like to see a, a low scoring game on their end, man. As far as Oklahoma State, um, let's say let's say fifty two, fifty two to fourteen. That's gonna be my score. Fifty two to fourteen. All right. I mean, I. I think Oklahoma, I mean, it's a 37 and a half point spread, which in any game is pretty, pretty remarkably large. But I, th- I think Oklahoma State covers it in some way, even if it's at 38. I think they find a way to cover. See, I, I, mm, ah, that 37 and a half points. It just feel I, I have a hard time saying they're going to cover that. I just, I don't know. They put up a lot of points against Oregon. All right, yeah, I think they cover. I'll, I'll say it. All right, yeah. 52-14, they cover. Um, they could score more. I just, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, I think we get a lot of Drew Brown. I think Drew Brown takes his opportunity, and then Drew Brown gets pulled, and we get Brennan Costello for fourth quarter, and they just don't do anything. And that's not a knock on Brennan Costello. I just, you know, I don't think he's ready. No. And uh, I think you're going to see a lot of, you know, Micah Cooper in that fourth quarter at running back, and maybe some Jamil Jeter. Uh, you're going to see some Braden Johnson. You see some of the backups in that fourth. I mean, you're going to see a lot of guys in that fourth quarter. It's like, all right, here's your shot to go play. Uh, we'll see you all next year. Yeah. I so. mean, so to, the, to the credit of Micah Cooper, did you hear the story that Gundy told uh, in his press conference this week? No. So he said that Gage, his youngest son, was in doing workouts and stuff. They would come in and do workouts in the weight room and stuff during the, the winter. And there was always one guy in there working by himself, lifting weights, doing agility stuff, whatever he had to do. And Gage saw him all the time. And I guess, you know, Gundy was, or, you know, Gage was telling Mike Gundy about it. And he just kind of brushed it off like, okay, you know, that, hey, good for him. But they didn't know who it was. And then come springtime, it was, you know, same thing. And Gage was at one of the spring practices and said, that was a guy that was in working all summer. They're like all, all winter by himself doing his own independent workouts after lifts, like after lifts with Rob Glass doing his own stuff. And now you see him, and they, he said that he was one of the most improved guys from the spring to the fall, and from last season to this season. 
and running harder than he did last year. And he earned those reps that at the end of the game. Now, albeit it was in a, you know, the game was won, but to see him on the field before a guy like Jamel Jeter, that I think that says a lot about Micah Cooper, but it also says a lot about the guys that Mike Gundy brings into this program and how the cowboy culture isn't coach speak. It's a real thing. Like, I think well, that, and it's not just awesome. that it's a, it's not just that it's a real thing. It's something that's rewarded. Yes. You know, I, I think that they reward those. And you, and you should. I think that an opportunity like that, it's the fourth quarter, you know, the game's won. Why not put him out there? Why not let him play? I mean, I think we see him. Who is the guy who played a few? I'm going to I'm gonna have to pull this up. I'm trying to remember the guy last year. I was just thinking about that. It was Micah Givens, I believe. He was, that come, was? He, was a, he was a gunner and covered a punt in the fourth quarter against uh, Missouri State. And made an, made the tackle, beat the guy, and made the tackle in the fourth quarter of a game. Oklahoma State was up by forty points, and then Mike Gundy put him on first uh, first team special teams the next week. Like so, that's it's the kind awesome. of stuff that gets rewarded. Yeah, it's awesome. But no, yeah, like I I don't want to discredit Michael Cooper at all. I think because I think that's a really cool story, and that's like I said, that's the kind of stuff the cowboy culture instills. Yeah, yeah, I think we see some Cooper. I think it'll be cool. Um, I think I'm just ready for week two, man. Yep. I'm. I mean, I'm ready for the game at Tulsa, but I'm yeah. ready for week two. Um, just a reminder to everybody, by the way, it's on ESPN. This week's game is on ESPN Plus, so you have to get signed up for ESPN Plus. Um, just self plug, self promotional plug. Um, ESPN is a sponsor for the Langer Gauntlet and the Ten Twelve Podcast. Um, we have. The link to ESPN Plus up on the 1012 Twitter account, T and the number 12 Twitter podcast. If you have not signed up for ESPN Plus yet, you need to do so. Uh, go check out the link there. Get signed up through that, and uh, I would appreciate it. Good news is I'm actually gonna, I'm actually going to be at the game. I'm very excited. Uh, I know this is my first game going to Boone Pickens Stadium, not as a student, so that's going to be a little weird. But either way, uh, it's it's Oklahoma State football. I'm excited. I get to watch that A&M Clemson game that's on at 2:30 before the game. I get to, mm. I, I miss Texas LSU, but eh, you know, I'm, I'm at an Oklahoma State. I'm not going to complain too much. You got any final thoughts here, Philip? I'm, I'm a little annoyed that OSU's game is on at the same time as Texas LSU because I'm going to have to put the Texas LSU game on the big screen at OSU on the little side monitor. Like, I'm just, I'm sorry. I know that's a terrible thing to say, but <laughs> like, one's a legit game. One will be over at halftime. I'm going to have OSU. I'm going to watch it so that I can write about it and discuss it. But no, the te- yeah, I, I, like big screens true. going to the big game. In the grand scheme of things, that game takes precedent. It really does. We love Oklahoma State, but Texas LSU is a legit matchup and it's going to be fun to watch. Also, I'm seeing the argument you have every year for like where all the OU fans are like, I'm not going to root for Texas. I'm like, okay, don't root for Texas, but don't root against Texas. And first of all, like if you're rooting for Texas to lose, well, I, I wish I want both teams to lose. Okay, well, both teams can't lose, so stop using that stupid argument. It's a stupid argument. It doesn't mean it. I want I want both presidential candidates to to not be like stop. Like just just you either pick a side. Or you root for one team to lose. That's how it works. This doesn't mean you're rooting for a team to win. Just root for a team to lose. For the sake of the Big 12, you don't have to root for Texas, but don't root against them unless you're just an idiot. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be an interesting game. Do you, think, do you think Texas wins? No. I don't think so either. I, th- I think, I think it's a close is. game. Look, but now, now here's the deal. Tom Herman, since he got to Texas, is 13-2-1 against the spread as a dog. Ooh. Okay. 13 2 and 1 against the spread as an underdog. 
So bet against Texas and Tom Herman at your own risk. The line opened at like four for LSU. It's now up to five and a half. If that line were to reach reaches six before kickoff, I'm going to tell you right now, I'd probably put money down on Texas. That's a fair point. I didn't realize they were that good as dogs. Oh, yeah. Now, that's okay. against the spread. That doesn't mean they always win. Yeah, but, but, like, they be, but hey, they cover. Okay. They, that's interesting. They cover. 13-2-1 is really good. His like his I think it as a favorite, it's not it's not nearly it's not that good. Not even close. Uh but 13 and 2 1 as a dog. If that line gets to six, I would I would go to Vegas with a hundred bucks and put it down on the Longhorns. That's fair. My final thought. Oh look at one of the eleven AM games. I here's to hoping that Army goes into the big house and we all get to laugh at Jim Harbaugh. Can we get to do that? Can that happen, please? I need that. I mean, it's not going to, but... It's not going to, but I, hey, I can hope. I, I, I like watching the service academies, but I was an Army officer, so I got a little bit of a little bit of credit there. But hey, go Army, beat Michigan. All right. Where can everyone follow you on Twitter, Philip? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXARPOKE. And of course, you can follow my show, the 1012 Podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast on Twitter. We also have the show all over. And remember to go check out the Twitter account, get that link, and uh, get yourself signed up for ESPN Plus for this Saturday's game. Follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. And we will be back after the Oklahoma State McNeese State game, most likely on Sunday while the podcast will go and we'll have our reaction and we will get ready for the game against Tulsa. We'll see you all then. <laughs>